Welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Dunity Wealth Management. And thank you for joining us here at Mike on Money, where we talk about everything in the markets this week, last week, and uh, what we see coming up. And today we're going to uh, take a little bit more uh, deeper look at just the global economy, what to expect with the uh, you know reopening of the economies with uh, the COVID vaccines rolling out and what we expect to see uh, over the summer here. With that, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, I know I took a week off last week, went to the Okanagan and uh, enjoyed a longer weekend in the sunshine, but uh, kind of getting back to, kind of get back to some normalcy out there. Uh, as always, everything we cover in, this, uh, in these weekly updates uh, is for educational purposes only. Always do your own due diligence or get to professional advice before applying any strategy or information to your portfolios. Uh, remember, you can always go to mikeonmoney.com, reach out to us there or gather more information if you're looking for some updates and our other social media channels. If you're listening to us live today, you can uh, ask questions, just click that Q&A button. We usually try to get to it during the, the session, uh, but we do, uh, we'll follow up afterwards if, uh, if we don't have time. Uh, and if you're watching on, uh, pre if you're watching the recorded on YouTube, or if you're listening to the podcast, as always, just go to mikeonmoney.com, send in your questions or give us a shout, happy to answer any of those and see how we can help. So with that, let's dive into what's going on in the economies. Uh, coming up this week, we are looking for the U.S. Consumer Price Index number for June. So this is just an inflation numbers uh, that we've been tracking pretty much through uh, the, the pandemic. And as we come out of it, uh, just keeping an eye on that inflation number, it has been creeping up, fully expected. Uh, we should probably see another bump up uh, uh, for June. Um, but we do see some, uh, some slowing down on that for the balance of 2021. And then again, going into 2022 is where we expect to see the real spike. Uh, Pepsi is also going to come out with their earnings as well as uh, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs are coming out this afternoon. As far as the stock futures in the markets, uh, we saw them just wavering yesterday and today, uh, pretty flat. You know, we're definitely into the summer doldrums, uh, with people starting to travel a bit more. And, and get out there a bit more. Um, you normally volumes do drop off in summers. We didn't see it last year because everyone was was at home and in front of their computers. Uh, but this year, we're definitely seeing a bit of uh, uh, of that slowdown start to kick in as uh, as the economy is reopening. People are, are getting out there more. As I mentioned, I was out in Okanagan. Uh, things definitely picking up as far as travel here in BC goes. Um, and I was in Montreal uh, also last Monday, and um, you know the airports are picking up. If you do have any air travel um, booked uh, in the coming months, uh, or uh, certainly in the coming weeks, uh, you know the airlines uh, are struggling a bit with the ramping up of volumes. Uh, you know it's almost quadrupled apparently since. Uh, since July 1st. So, uh, you know, have some patience out there for them. I know they're trying hard and they're trying to get staff back. Uh, and, and as we'll talk a bit about the reopening, that's going to be a major 
uh, theme we're going to see in all in all industries. Uh, as I mentioned, the major stock indexes climbed a bit higher in recent sessions. Uh, no big movements, uh, you know, as we're looking for the quarterly earnings, and again, those volumes off a little bit. And uh, overseas, we saw it tick down just slightly. So, so nothing, nothing dramatic going on, which is good. Uh, that's what we want to see in slow markets or in slow volume markets is just pretty much um, even keel, which boy, puts them in a good uh, position for when volumes come back to to have another uh, another wave upwards. So that's what we're looking for uh, later in the in later part of the summer. Uh, Pfizer's uh, got a bid out to for their booster. Uh, for um, for the booster dosage, a uh, bit premature. Still a lot of testing and data needed, but uh, Pfizer is pushing right health regulators to authorize a third COVID nineteen booster, which uh, would address the Delta variant. Um, you know the the regulators are a little want to do a bit more testing around that, and of course we're getting other variants out there. So uh, you know, do they approve this one or do they wait till something that's you know more comprehensive? There's a lot of information uh, that's going to be needed before we go down that route. But uh, Pfizer is obviously taking advantage of this new technology. They have the mRNA uh, with the booster shot. And they also uh, came out and said that they, uh, they have a flu vaccine uh, mRNA technology that they're going to be uh, rolling out as well. So uh, I think we are definitely going to see more of this mRNA uh, technology being used in the vaccine process, it seems to be the better way to go, uh, better on our bodies uh, and more accurate and also can deal with uh, various, um, the various uh, variants um, that, we, that we see from these viruses, especially the normal flu. I know it wasn't a big flu season because of course we were all in lockdown and wearing masks. Uh, but if we ever do get back to kind of normal flu seasons, uh, one of the big challenges with the flu vaccine, it was always for one variant and it would, e it would lighten the effect of other variants, but it couldn't deal with uh, multiple, whereas the mRNA can. So that might be the, the better technology that they're going to move to uh, in the future. So we'll take a look at that. Dealmaker C, uh, M&A rush um, and then chills. You know, Biden, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Biden's put out a uh, antitrust proposal uh, kind of a crackdown uh, on mergers and acquisitions uh, to prevent, you know, more big Amazons being created or Facebooks, uh, at least have a more competitive environment out there. But in the meantime, while that gets put through, uh, put through the law and rolled out, uh, deal makers or M&A uh, activity is very likely going to pick up to try to get a bunch more uh, mergers through prior to the new law coming into effect. So they expect a big rush here on the M&A activity and then slowing down a little bit after the new law comes in. So we'll keep an eye on that. We've already seen a lot of M&A through 2020 and into 2021, uh, but there might be some on the edge that we're gonna see pushed through pretty quickly. Uh, Canada's lost year for immigration has been added to uh, the Bank of Canada's inflation headaches. Uh, well, no surprise, of course, immigration uh, with no travel last year uh, plunged uh, for Canada. Uh, and that really, you know, changed the, the inflow of uh, workers, both skilled and general, uh, general labor. And we're already showing those signs of uh, rising worker shortages across, uh, across different sectors. I mentioned the airlines, um, you know, being one, but we're seeing that in the restaurant industry. As I mentioned, I was in the Okanagan, they're seeing it out there. 
in the, the hospitality industries. Uh, the, you know, it's just hard to get people. Uh, and of course, when it's hard to get people, you have to pay a bit more. Uh, and as you pay a bit more, that's driving inflation as well. So, uh, so getting back to normal immigration or, uh, you know, maybe even stepping up a bit of immigration to uh, compensate for what we lost last year might be something we're going to be seeing coming up here in Canada and other countries as well. Uh, down in the U.S., the U.S. Senate is bracing for uh, a hell of a fight on the infrastructure plan. Uh, obviously, it's already been a fight for, uh, for the infrastructure plan as it continues to go back and forth. Uh, not surprising, you know, the Republicans are pushing back wherever they can. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, the Democrats also wanted to raise taxes to pay for the plan, uh, which makes sense. Uh, but, uh, you know, just not the Republicans' uh, mandate, and uh, they pretty much vowed to block anything around the tax side of things. So uh, it's going to be a lot of back and forth, nothing unusual, uh, especially with this 50-50 Senate, um, and we're going into the, um, the Senate votes here in about a year and a half, uh, so there'll be a lot of positioning for that as well to, to A, try to secure uh, a stronger Republican Senate uh, or Democrats taking more power on that, on that front and not having all these headaches depending on what the outcome of that vote is. Uh, Yellen has continued to urge the EU to back a global uh, global tax deal. Now remember at the G7, it was an agreement uh, that uh, they were all gonna back. Uh, now they're pushing that outside the G7 to try to get a, a global a minimum tax for corporations. Canada's on board with it. It's not a bad idea. It's been a long time problem for uh, for company for countries around the world where companies take their earnings offshore uh, to uh, lower lower taxed or even zero taxed uh, countries uh, and uh, shelter a lot of their earnings and, and not paying you know paying less than five percent tax annually uh, in some cases zero and, uh, if they've managed to uh, to set up a, a more complex structure. So having that minimum global tax in there would mean all companies uh, would have to pay a minimum, at least a minimum tax uh, on all the global earnings. So we'll see how that progresses. It looks like there is a lot of global support, but of course there's always gonna be some holdouts in those situations. As I mentioned, JP Morgan and uh, Goldman are reporting their earnings today and they're making a big, big bet on tech uh, to get into the UK consumer market. So this is focusing on the finance, the finance market, the uh, the IPO market in the UK. Um, a lot of outsiders have tried to break into uh, this market and uh, not done well with it. Uh, JP Morgan and Goldman being some of the biggest players uh, want to take a crack at it, see if they can do it. So we'll keep an eye on that, see if they can enhance their earnings and, and take that into the UK market. Uh, the big banks are bracing for a British foreign exchange class action uh, as they're seeking to go ahead, they're looking for court's approval to uh, go ahead with this class action. And basically what it's been going on for, for years now, um, it's a multi-billion dollar, uh, multi-billion pound class action against some of the world's biggest banks, uh, you know, alleged them of foreign exchange rigging. Um, and uh, uh, we saw this, trying to remember how long ago now, but we saw it around the LIBOR, the um, the London interbank uh, exchange rate, so the or sorry, interest rate, the uh, the fixing of the LIBOR rates um, amongst the banks, and they all uh, face massive penalties uh, over that. Even a couple of firings. Uh, so this is along the same idea. 
of uh, trying to trying to rig the exchange rates uh, amongst the banks. So we'll see where that goes, or if it even gets to go ahead to move uh, forward with the class action. And on the IPO front, we're seeing outdoor grill maker Weber taking advantage of the big surge of people staying at home and barbecuing in their backyards uh, as they reveal a 62% year-on-year growth in revenue uh, for six months ending March 31st. So the pandemic was really good for them, and they're looking to cash in on those higher valuations. Uh, pretty much we've seen this you know, everywhere. Uh, any companies that have seen big surges in pricing uh, either out there raising capital uh, or additional capital as the stock prices are, are inflated or higher due to the higher revenues they saw in, in the last year, or even uh, the IPO surge that we saw through late 2020. Uh, and those are just companies taking advantage of that pickup that they saw uh, if they were one of the fortunate industries that saw a surge. And pretty much anything around stay-at-home, leisure, uh, activities, you know, we saw the boating industry take off. We saw recreational vehicles take off. Uh, trailers, you know, the RV uh, take off. Uh, real estate, uh, recreational real estate, uh, especially anything waterfront, uh, you know, have a big surge last year. Uh, and same with gardening. We, you know, of course, we discussed lumber as people stayed at home and did um, home renovations or new builds. And uh, Weber was just in, in the right place at the right time. On the COVID-19 front, things are going well. Of course, we see the news every day. Now, when I say going well, I'm talking about Canada. Uh, I think Ontario was announcing, in, announcing moving into a new phase today. Uh, so they're progressing quite well with their vaccines. Same with, with Quebec. I think Quebec is pretty much open for anyone. They have walk-in clinics now. Uh, Sophia from our team was fortunate to go to a hockey game uh, back there with the Montreal Canadiens and mentioned that there was a... Uh, uh, a walk-in clinic at the game. You could get your shot while you enjoyed the game. Uh, and BC is moving closer and closer to that. I can say uh, my two uh, teenage kids uh, have gotten their second text. So we're right down to the 18 plus now as far as second uh, doses go. Uh, so pretty much across Canada, we can say the second doses are, are, are out there and available and the numbers continue to improve and improve, which is great. Uh, in the US, a uh, little bit of slowdown. Uh, as far as their numbers growth. And I think every country, you know, Canada is going to get to a plateau, I think, where, you know, there's now a percentage of the population that just don't want to get it. Uh, and, and that's where the U.S. is uh, a little bit. And as a result of that, we are seeing some, some flare-ups um, in the COVID numbers. Uh, and mostly you can pretty much pin, pinpoint on a map uh, any area that has a lower vaccination rate are seeing, of course, logistically an increase in COVID cases. And the hospitalizations uh, have pretty much, pretty much the majority, I would almost say 100%, the majority for sure uh, have been those without the vaccine. If you have the vaccine, doesn't mean you can't get it, it just means, uh, of course, it protects you against a severe case of it or in, in, in a very large percentage. Of, of the uh, in the cases uh, you're protected from a severe case and we're not seeing hospitalization. I think here in Canada, in fact, uh, we're at zero hospitalization of any anyone who's had both vaccines for at, like, at least two weeks. So that's really good. Uh, we do see it in other areas, especially, you know, we're talking about the Olympics, Japan, uh, you know, they've gone to no spectators, uh, not a big surprise. They're really low 
on their vaccination uh, numbers. I think last I heard was somewhere in the mid 20% uh, numbers for uh, as far as the first vaccine goes. So um, obviously the, the government there has, has gone with no, uh, no spectators at all for, uh, for the events uh, for, the, for the Olympics, uh, just because they can't guarantee uh, people's safety. And on top of that, they're in the middle of a, a big surge because of those low vaccination rates. Uh, and that surge has now gone into state emergency again. So, you know, not ideal for Japan, um, and, you know, having the Olympics at this moment in time. But of course, it's not the country's decisions. It is the Olympic Committee's decision as to whether they, they pull it or delay it. Uh, and uh, they've decided to go ahead. So we are going to have the Olympics, just uh, no spectators. Uh, you know, and that's going to put Japan in actually a pretty precarious position for the billions of dollars that they spent uh, to have these games. Uh, not many countries or cities are able to recoup the, the dollars that are spent on the Olympics in the, in, the, uh, in the first case. But if you're not getting any tourist dollars and you're not getting any retail dollars or economic growth from the visitors going to those games, uh, you know, it's kind of a double whammy uh, uh, for, for Tokyo. Uh, with these uh, with these Olympics, so we'll see how it plays out. But obviously, uh, some challenges there. Uh, we're seeing that in other parts of of the world where the vaccination rates are uh, are still low, uh, and, and that's going to be uh, something we talk about here a little bit more uh, as we go through what the reopening looked like. All right, let's see. Uh, in the U.S., I mentioned J.P. Morgan. Uh, we're expecting some good numbers out of them. We've seen that pretty much across the board, same as Goldman Sachs. Uh, we're expecting uh, some good numbers. We're going to have to see how good they are because uh, the markets uh, have driven up the stocks basically on uh, some, some strong expectations and really looking at the guidance going, going forward. Uh, the financial institutions across North America and most of the world uh, have done fairly well. As I mentioned, a lot of that merger and acquisition uh, activity has played well for, uh, for these big players. Uh, as well as all that IPO and SPAC business we saw uh, last year. If you want to know more about the SPACs, we did a video directly on that. Uh, you can go back and watch that. But uh, that was the special purpose acquisition corporations uh, for reverse takeovers uh, that were pretty active last year. As I mentioned, we're looking for that inflation data uh, just to kind of see where things are headed, uh, whether we're seeing a little bit of slowdown there. Uh, also in the news, uh, Musk uh, tells the court he dislikes being CEO of Tesla uh, as he's on trial or he's testifying on trial uh, for Tesla's acquisition of Solar City uh, and whether that was appropriate for, for Tesla. Uh, so he's been in court for the last few days um, there and uh, obviously uh, he's not enjoying the being called into court every day and he's uh, kind of testifying that uh, Tesla, you know, he's, he's done all he can with Tesla and he's expecting that to grow. Uh, and he wants to move on to other things like Solar City and, and of course, uh, his SpaceX program, uh, which if you saw in the news, we, we shot a billionaire into space, and, and, but we did bring him back. Uh, or uh, Blue Origins, which is Richard Branson's uh, company, uh, uh, Virgin Galactic, uh, where they, uh, he went up in space. And of course, Jeff Bezos, Sorry, he went to the edge of space, as Jeff Bezos will point out, and Bezos is, is due here in the next week or so to take his trip up, uh, actually, I think later this week, uh, take his trip up into actual beyond the, 
the border of space, but into outer space. So we're spending we're sending a lot of billionaires out into space these days. Uh, Walmart's looking to raise us about 38 billion in a valuation on, on an IPO for their Flipkart, which is their uh, India-based uh, online retailer. Um, and they're looking to do that through SoftBank and it looks like they're gonna be able to get it. So, uh, you know, again, we see those IPOs and, and M&A activity uh, happening around the world. GM has turned into its suppliers to help build EV vans. So GM has been pretty aggressive, try to come out with, uh, of course, their EV electric vehicles, uh, and been partnering partnering with other manufacturers to try to get those out sooner or later. They do have uh, plans, uh, in, uh they've got a plant in, I believe, Ontario that they're opening up for building their EV vehicles, uh, but it's not ready yet. Those things take obviously years to get up and running. So they're looking to, uh, you know, team up with other manufacturers to get there. Um, and uh, they're, work, they're working right now for the van, their commercial vans, uh, to work with a German company to, uh, to get that up and running sooner than later, um, as the FedEx wants to have a, a, a big order. And that's really what, when we talk about the EV market, and we're going to do a video, I'm going to interview, um, uh, have a special interview uh, talking about the EV market and what's happening in it right now. But really, uh, when we talk about the EV market, of course, yes, there's the uh, you know, the passenger vehicles or the personal vehicles out there that have been growing massively. There's a lot of countries that have signed on to a 2030 pack, uh, or 30 by 30 pack, where 30% of all vehicle sales will be uh, EV. Uh, and some countries even have higher goals than that. Uh, some, uh, I think Norway's uh, like 2025, that they're not gonna allow any gas vehicles to be sold. Uh, but, you know, to get there, a, uh, a lot has to happen, but the bigger market, the, the bigger market we're seeing sooner, I think I mentioned it before, is the commercial market, because it's a much easier market to value and really price in the, the benefits, because uh, you, know, you can buy an electric vehicle for yourself, and sure, they're, they're, they're on most of the websites you go to, uh, when you buy an electric vehicle, they have a calculator to say, you know, how much do I drive, you know, uh, per month or per year, uh, and, you know, gives you a rough calculation of how much you'll save on gas by switching to an electric vehicle over the year, which is great. But on the, on, on the uh, commercial side, if you think about a bus, uh, we, you know, it's really easy to calculate. We know the route that bus is going to drive. Uh, we know it's normal maintenance costs, which, of course, you do not have the big maintenance costs uh, in an electric vehicle because uh, you, don't, you don't have all the parts that are moving. You don't have uh, all the uh, lubrication and everything that's wearing down uh, and your motor, of course, uh, it, it, your electric motor runs uh, far less maintenance because of you, you're, you're not blowing up fossil fuels inside little tiny cylinders to make it turn. So, um, so when you look at something like a bus or delivery vehicle where you can really easy quantify the, the maintenance savings, the, the, the mileage savings um, and the overall servicing of the vehicle, uh, right away, uh, you know, you, you can you can build an easy business case to make the conversion. And that's, you know, if you've talked to me, talk about uh, ESR or, uh, you know, environmental green investing technology, we're at that point that that, uh, that dollar calculation makes more sense now. So it's, it, you know, we're never going to drive green technology uh, acceptance into industry 
uh, until the, the, the kind of the, the, the finances make sense, because that's going to be the tipping point. And that's certainly where we are with the EV commercial vehicles. Uh, and that's where we're going to see that big ramp up. And, and we're going to have that special video out uh, hopefully in the next uh, week or two. Um, MSB recovery to, uh, to go public with uh, nearly $33 billion mega SPAC. So again, going back to the SPACs, uh, this is where they kind of raise the money uh, first and then go find the deal. Uh, and uh, anyway, MSB recovery, uh, which is a medical and Medicaid secondary payment um, structure where they, they go and, and uh, cover those, uh, uh, those payments for people uh, are going public with a huge valuation of 33 billion or just under 33 billion, uh, which is um, the second biggest back we've seen uh, so far. So, so uh, quite large. As I mentioned, Virgin Galactic had their flight uh, taken over to Branson up to space. And they decided, hey, you know what? We're going to go out and sell 500 million uh, stock, uh, $500 million stock sale uh, to raise some capital because now we're going to expand and, and offer all the space travel. And the stock tumbled the next day. I think, uh, I think the market's still a little bit leery or a little bit concerned about how close we are to have a, uh, a commercially viable space tourism. Um, obviously, still very expensive. Uh, Virgin Galactic uh, being a, a little bit on the lower end on the price end. Uh, I, I can't remember the numbers, but uh, compared to the others, because it does, you know, it's kind of like this plane shuttle style of ship that skirts space and then comes back down, um, you know, versus uh, Bezos' uh, plan uh, of taking people directly up into space. And of course, with um, uh, Musk, who plans to take you to the moon and Mars. So um, between the three, uh, Virgin Galactic uh, looks like they've got the lower price model, but still the market's a little, little hesitant to say, hey, this is definitely a thing I want to put money behind. Canada coming up, uh, Bank of Canada's tapping financial, reg uh, financial regulator, regulator, sorry, Carolyn Rogers for the number two job. Uh, so this is Bank of Canada's uh, governor and deputies uh, and there's six spots there, and she's moved up into the number two spot, uh, which is great. Uh, she's got a great background and, of course, adds more diversity to that council that's uh, desperately needed. Uh, Canada's green bond market, so we talk about green technology. The green bond market has been riding high after the second quarter. Uh, people have been paying extra premium uh, for the environmentally friendly uh, bonds, and, uh, you know, investors are paying it. Uh, so why wouldn't they take that? Um, I don't know if I'd want to chase the price in. I mean, there is some good investing in green tech, uh, but you don't necessarily want to take too much of a, a premium loss um, just to get it. There, I think there's some quality companies uh, or quality investments you can get out there without having to pay in that premium. But we did see a big surge uh, just on the demand and always goes back to my theme. Remember when you're out there, when you're investing, know what you're buying, but also know why you're buying. Don't pay the premium for the wrong reasons. Um, paying a premium doesn't not necessarily a bad thing, uh, but it's really understanding why you're doing it and is it worth it. In a lot of cases, when we see these surges, people are just throwing the money at a theme, not necessarily the underlying story. So always know what you're buying. Uh, when I talked about the airlines getting busier with Canada's Porter Airlines looking to double their fleet with a major order with Embraer. Um, Porter, if you're not familiar, uh, they're mostly in Eastern. Uh, commuter uh, airline, mostly uh, 
uh, from Toronto downtown. They fly from the downtown airport, not the major uh, Pearson airport. Uh, and they uh, go between Toronto, Montreal, mostly they, they have other flights uh, into the Maritimes and uh, across uh, Canada, uh, but they're mostly smaller commuter, um, kind of the, the business traveler is, the, is, is the, biggest, uh, the biggest ones. And they're also looking to add some routes to uh, the United States and, and they're talking about uh, Mexico and, and Caribbean. So it might be something like where Porter is moving out of their uh, commuter status, but so for now, that's pretty much their niche market. As far as the exchange goes, uh, the dollar, the U.S. dollar, is likely uh, to fall a little bit on this inflation news that we're coming out. Uh, you know, all all things being equal, the U.S. dollar has been on a pretty solid downward trend. It has uh, gone up a little bit. The Canadian dollar is now below eighty cents, uh, where it was uh, the north of eighty two for a while, uh, but we've fallen back, uh, fallen back a little bit here. Uh, because our inflation numbers have been a little bit higher. Uh, and uh, we are expecting that inflation uh, number to uh, drop a little bit in the US here for June. On the commodity front, crude prices gained a bit. So north of $75, holding quite strong, uh, pretty much um, uh, just on the global supply and the, uh, and the forecast for the demand to start to increase a little bit. Um, Funny case, you know, the, the OPEC plus uh, have had agreements to kind of keep uh, keep the supply in line. Uh, we've seen a bit of a failure of those negotiations more recently, which was kind of expected. And in, in fact, if you go back to our videos early in the year, I was kind of expecting that earlier than it started to happen. The country has actually uh, stayed in the agreements pretty strongly uh, through, uh, through that oil price crisis. So, uh, the fact that some are starting to break out now is not a big, uh, big surprise. And gold edge a bit higher again, just on that inflationary news. All right, so let's talk about the reopening. Uh, so everything's back to normal and we're all going out there. Uh, of course, you know, we all know that's not the case. Uh, we've talked a lot about the, the challenges with reopening, not just within country, but uh, with the world. Uh, and that number one is vaccines. And we're gonna talk a bit more back about the vaccinations uh, you know, the rates, how that affects reopenings, but how it affects uh, Canada as a whole, or the U.S. as a whole, or any countries uh, who are further ahead on the vaccination rate. Of course, inflation is going to, is always a big theme, big theme in this reopening, so we'll talk about that, and we're going to talk about savings rates and deployment of those savings uh, as we reopen here. So on the vaccination front, so vaccine uh, security and efficiency, um, will really shape a, a big part of this reopening. Uh, as I mentioned, Canada, things going, re going really well. Our numbers are still holding strong, even against the Delta uh, variant. Uh, because if you look at the numbers, Canada, we were number one. I'm not sure if we're still in the number one spot when it comes to uh, you know, adults vaccinated. Uh, you know, first dose for sure. Uh, second dose, we're moving up dramatically on that front. Um, but when we talk about reopening, we're, you know, that is Canada. So we're reopening within Canada, but we're not opening completely with the rest of the world. There's still a lot of countries, you know, uh, yes, we have our vaccines, but, uh, you know, maybe we're not allowed to go there or different rules when you get there uh, or things are closed when you get there. Uh, and then, you know, return and depend on what country you're returning from if you've had both vaccines, et cetera. So when we talk about reopening around the world, the vaccine rate, we really have to get the world's vaccine rate up. And, you know, nothing's better, uh, a bigger example than Tokyo, 
uh, with their low vaccination rate and shutting down the Olympics. So if you had uh, if you had a, a trip booked and hotel books and all that for Tokyo, that's out. You know, you 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 can't go, um, or you won't be allowed in. And uh, of course, you know, for countries like Tokyo or Japan, rather, um, you know, they they're losing all that revenue. So when we talk about you know this reopening, what's the one big thing we have to keep a really close eye on is the global vaccination rates, not necessarily local ones. Uh, if we're talking uh, Canadian business, yes, the, uh, the the local means a lot. Um, but then all, again, know what you're buying. If you're buying a company that generates a lot of income on the uh, on the global front, uh, then you have to be really watching that that global vaccination rate. And and we're seeing, you know, I mentioned Asia and emerging markets. Um, it, there's this desynchronization happening of global growth. Uh, due to that, uh, the vaccination rate, due to the, the lower numbers and going into shutdowns again uh, and not really getting a, a really steady uptick, whether we talk about growth and the economic expansion. Uh, of course, oops, wrong way. Uh, of course, the, on the inflation side, you know, uh, bottlenecks, uh, we continue to see bottlenecks, uh, you know, in terms of supply. Uh, you know, it's at a five-year high. It's probably going to last a bit more through 2021. You know, uh, a lot of this, you know, there's kind of two factors happening here in this bottleneck. Uh, we had the shutdowns, uh, but we still had demand. So, you know, when things reopened, they were just kind of trying to catch up on the demand that they missed during their shutdowns, uh, which puts them behind. And, they're, you know, they're, they're trying to ramp up and get that out there. Uh, but that takes time to move, move that through the, the, the supply chain. Uh, and get out. Uh, in meantime, as more and more of the world starts to reopen again, you're just getting that bigger and bigger surge. So pretty much we're looking at supply chain, supply chain bottlenecks through 2021, and, and that's going to push a little bit of inflation. Now, we're not worried about that inflation. Uh, we've got to manage it and deal with it, but we're not overly world worried about that because when we do get cut, caught up on the supply side of things, uh, that, that pressure is going to ease a little bit. You know, the employment gap, I mentioned, you know, there's 4 million jobs open in the Eurozone, there's 7 million in the U.S. Um, trying to keep that, that wage inflation in check. Uh, you know, immigration has been a big part of it. Uh, we've seen, you know, some of the stimulus packages uh, obviously have moved, um, you know, moved people from, you know, looking for work versus not looking for work. Uh, but we've also seen you know, as we've talked about, there's been a lot of industries that did not slow down. They expanded, they grew through this pandemic. Uh, and all, a lot of those employees that were laid off have gone and found jobs in other areas and, you know, um, you know uh, new careers, uh, which is great, uh, but that's left a shortage for uh, industries who are trying to rehire. Uh, if you've been to a restaurant lately, you know they're struggling trying to get staff back. And it's not that there's not people out there looking, they're just, they don't have skilled workers, so experienced workers. Uh, a lot of them have gone and found uh, other jobs and other careers. So when you try to bring back in, um, try to bring people back really quickly, uh, that's where they're struggling is, yes, they might be able to bring in bodies, but without those experienced people to train the new people, um, the, you know, that's, that gives you a gap in your service, uh, service levels uh, and obviously difficult for business owners to, uh, to try to cope with that. We're seeing that in the hotels. Obviously, when we had the heat wave, I talked to some of the hotel 
man management, uh, and they went from 26% bookings here in Vancouver to 100% capacity uh, in a matter of days. They didn't have the staff, they didn't have the kitchen crew, they didn't have the supplies. Uh, if you went into any one of those hotels or a lot of the hotels, uh, you saw a lot of <laughs> items not on the menu or you know out on the menu. Just they weren't ready for the surge um, as they tried to restaff and resupply their wares. I mentioned the the airlines, uh, same thing. Uh, they tried to bring people back, they couldn't get you know even if the people are available, getting them back that quickly, getting them back uh, you know into the the cruise into the planes. Uh, and getting those flights staffed, um, you know, a lot of challenges. So no matter what you're doing out there today, especially if it's anything to do with hospitality, you know, any of the industries that were, were closed down and now reopening, try to have some patients out there. They are doing, trying their best, uh, but we're having this massive shortage of, uh, of employees. And as I mentioned, with the immigration, there's a lot of jobs that aren't, you know, aren't even able to be filled because we don't have enough, uh, enough people. So that all, that's all good for the reopening, but what is that going to mean from an investment standpoint? That means those hospitality of those reopening sectors uh, are going to feel a pinch, a cost pinch, and also a service pinch because uh, they're not able to necessarily keep up with that surge uh, of the reopening. So you're going to have to be really careful watching that. Uh, it might be look really good as the numbers or the, uh, the number of people going through look good. Uh, but if you're if, if you're, you're you're blowing all your revenue um, on cost, then uh, you know the profits aren't you know we're not going to see the pickup in profits until we see that statewide. So keeping a really close eye on that employment uh, gap, uh, on especially in those sectors, is going to be uh, very very important. Um, inflation spike, as I mentioned, we do have that transitory uh, inflation spike happening. Um, you know, due to the, the temporary supply uh, bottleneck and also that, that surge of, of people, uh, you know, either buying or starting to spend money or traveling. Uh, but we're going to see that big surge as people come back. Uh, but we have to really look at the longer numbers because we will flatten out that curve um, pretty quickly. Uh, and then on the savings side, we have to look at the, res the residual savings, you know, so through the pandemic, people hoarded the cash, right? Uh, because they didn't know what was happening. They, they, there was obvious concern. We've got about 500 billion uh, euro in Europe uh, and about a trillion in the US. Canada's numbers are way up there as well. Um, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the stimulus dollars haven't been spent yet. So, and then we've got pent up demand as people haven't, you know, maybe held off on purchases or haven't been able to make those purchases. You know, again, going back to the supply chain, maybe, uh, you know, what you want to get is out of stock. Uh, again, anything to do with the, the home or uh, leisure or uh, recreational, trying to get something uh, at home, go try to buy patio furniture uh, or barbecues, as I mentioned, uh, or anything, along, you know, gardening or wood or anything along those lines, uh, you could be a long wait before you can uh, even buy it if you want to. So there is this big expected surge to, uh, to come into the GDPs uh, and, and, and some of that savings to get redeployed. Uh, we're going to have to wait a little bit um, for a little bit more stability uh, and obviously really looking at that supply chain, but the, we can look forward to that. And as far as investing goes, that's a bit of patience I'm saying in the markets right now, uh, we are expecting that next push up. Uh, and also, also uh, consumption, uh, you know, lead to the recovery. 
uh, as people you know relax a little bit more, feel a little bit more comfortable to start hearing uh, some positive things happening. Uh, you know, definitely when it comes to travel, uh, definitely when it comes to the hospitality side of things. You know, there is going to be this this hesitation, and if you're like me, you've already seen this hesitation. You know, with uh, BC moving away from uh, the mask requirements. I was up in Whistler on July 1st uh, when things opened up and, um, you know, it was, it was very strange going from day, you know, the day before everyone masked everywhere you go to the next day. Wow. You know, hardly any mask or quite a few less masks. And, uh, you know, there's, you realize there is this hesitation to just go, you know, cold turkey and try to go back to the way things are. So there is this transition period. Uh, and, and we're going to have to, you know, let society or let people get through that. And, and again, that goes to my comment to be impatient, uh, you know, patient with people, uh, patient, you know, companies are obviously uh, taking it slow as well. They don't want to be, uh, you know, the center of a big breakout or outbreak rather, uh, and, uh, you know, have to dial things back or, you know, have to close down again. So uh, we have to just wait for this uh, you know, the consumption demand to pick up again, again as people get comfortable and in moving into these recoveries. And that goes around the world. Obviously, Canada, um, you know, is in a great situation. Uh, the U.S. is doing well, except for some pockets. Uh, Europe, a bit more challenges and the bigger ones, uh, it, you know, Asia, the Asian countries having some, uh, you know, obviously uh, more challenges um, than, the, than we see over here in Canada. Uh, and again, it goes back to the comment, it is global. So with that, I'm going to let you go. I am going to take a bit of hiatus this summer. We're going to get our weekly videos out. Uh, they'll be pre-recorded. Um, I will, uh, as far as the weekly updates go, uh, I'll do one at the end of July, just to give you an update for July. Uh, and then I'll do one in August uh, to give you an update. We'll go back to regular weeklies again in September. Uh, everyone, I, want, I don't want people sitting in front of the computers listening to me drone on. Uh, but we will get, as I mentioned, we're going to do a special on EV cars uh, on that marketplace. And we'll have other announcements coming out uh, through the summer where we'll do uh, some deep dives into specific topics just to keep you all informed. But if you have any topics you want to hear about, do go to michaelmoney.com. Let us know. Keep an eye on our YouTube channel and our podcast channels for those special, um, special interviews. Oh, and we are going to be launching a whole new series. Uh, that are going to be interviews with CEOs of growth companies that we uh, that uh, we feel are uh, are great stories uh, and that you might want to hear uh, more about across uh, different sectors. So we're just finishing that. We, we're finishing the lineup for that, uh, and uh, we'll be launching uh, launching that out. So keep an eye on that as well. With that, go enjoy that sunshine. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, everyone. Bye bye.